power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. The man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, the Golden Stallion. Dr. Brian Sovereign here to do it as we did it in ancient times, baby. It is a taste of Q&A. Now, what is that? Well, as some of you may know, starting in December of 2021, uh, we began doing Patreon only. So you have to be a you have to be a Patreon subscriber and you can do it for as low as a buck, but you can do more if you want. There's lots of different levels, but we do Patreon only Wednesday Q and A's where you send me the questions either via email or via the popular discord server. I love what's going on on that discord server, baby. I'm there. I'm active pretty much every day. Uh, it's just great conversations and particularly it's awesome to be able to segment, um, the, the conversations like, a lot of us were having conversations about the new Matrix movie, Matrix Resurrections, and we were able to have a completely separate channel, but on the same server slash kind of channel, um, you know, unlike Telegram, where you would just end up like talking about everything all at once, you know, and, and as to where with this, we can have segmented conversations and you can even do threads. It, it's it's really nice. Anyway, I want to implore you to join if you've yet to. However, uh, you know, if, if you need a little more enticement, here's the enticement. Um, these were now this was requested. And this is what I mean by doing it in ancient times. Uh, back when uh, I was concentrated on on Patreon the first time around. Um, and of course, you know, if you've listened throughout December, you know why we're reconcentrating on it. I won't recover that ground. But the first time around, uh, there were episodes that I would do that were Patreon only. That would only be in the Patreon podcast feed and patrons would request, they'd say, Hey, please put this out to the public. This was great. Or this was, you know, whatever. And I like that. I, you know, that, that option's always available. And when a patron asks for it, um, nine times out of 10, I'm going to do it. And this is a case where I'm going to do it, uh, because I had two questions from separate episodes, separate Q and A's that, uh, I thought they're really great questions. One had to do with what do I think about web three and the other had to do with, and this was actually from, uh, from sec of the Agora podcast, uh, where he was asking, you know, like, like, okay, what are some strategies we can do against the, you know, the coming or the present, uh, I would argue, you know, t and I'm sure he would too, uh, technological dystopia that we live in. And I, I got great messages, uh, you know, from people talking about it in the varying channels on the discord server saying, yes, yeah, you, you got to get these out there. This is the, some of the, some of the best stuff you've, you've done in a while. And so here I am putting it out, uh, as requested by the listeners. I also want to uh, let you know that the day this is getting released the following day. So this is getting released on the 29th of December. Woo. Book of Boba Fett, baby. Well, anyway, <laughs> this is getting released on the 29th of December and on December 30th. So, well, on December 29th, there's going to be another one of these Q and A's that you're listening to. Okay. Pre-recorded Q and A's where you send your questions to me again, the ways I described earlier, but then tomorrow on December 30th, we are doing our uh, infamous, one of our infamous live Q and A's. And we're going to be doing these at least once a month for patrons only. And it's 
only via the Discord server. It's the only way you're going to get in on it. You've got to be a member of that Discord server, so you've got to be in on Patreon. And these, you know, along with the Wednesday Q&As are just some of my, it's some of my favorite things to do. You know, I mean, just frankly in life, but also, you know, as far as Sovereign Tech and, you know, in recording, um, it's it's just always a great time. Great questions abound. People get to come on. They can come on. Uh, well, we're going to see how well bandwidth and everything works um, with Discord, but it is capable of doing video. At the very least, you're going to get audio um, and you can ask your questions via t- uh, text you know, via, via the, the specific text channel and everything. Um, it's just, it's going to be a great time. And again, we're going to do them at least once a month, uh, going forward for sovereign tech patrons only. And of course you just want to go to patreon.com slash sovereign tech to make that happen for yourself. And we'll have all other kinds of, uh, you know, fun new surprises, uh, for patrons only, you know, going forward. But anyway, the other announcement I want to make is, and, and I, you know, I hinted at it earlier in December, um, but this is for everybody. And that is the next official full on prime episode of sovereign tech numbers and everything is releasing on January 1st. So originally it was going to be end of this month. So originally it's going to be the 31st. You're just getting bumped by about, it'll be approximately 20 hours from when it was originally planned to get released. Um, but that will be out on January 1st, 2022, new Sovereign Tech happening, full-on episodes. And those will continue every single week. So mark your calendars. You've got a new Q&A coming out today. You've got a live Q&A happening tomorrow. Oh, did I say the time? 6 p.m. Eastern is when that live Q&A happens. If you're a patron, you're going to get the notification about it. Uh, well ahead of time again via discord is how it's going to be done so that's december 30th thursday at at 6 p.m eastern and then saturday january 1st all new episode of sovereign tech and i can't wait to share it with you this is something that has been in the works for really years but at the very least over a year as far as, you know, more directly, but it's been in the works for years. Uh, and I I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited and I know a lot, especially the patrons, uh, you know, they're pumped. I can't wait. (laughs) We have good times, uh, coming for 2022. So, but that said, uh, again, here is your enticement, um, and important information to get out there. I never want to keep, you know, really, you know, important, uh, uh, mind saving, perhaps mind altering info, uh, you know, behind a paywall. Okay. I want it to get out to everybody sooner or later. Um, I mean, if, you know, sooner rather than later, really, like I, I like to think that episodes of sovereign tech do that anyway, but if it's something, you know, really, really important, we're not, you know, I'm not going to keep it behind a paywall and eventually it'll come out, but you know, it might take a, it might take a little bit. These took, you know, two to three weeks, depending upon which subject. Again, we're going to talk about web three and we're going to talk about, um, surviving, you know, the technological dystopia. And, you know, if you're a patron, you could have been at least weeks ahead, um, you know, of the game. So I, I implore you to support the show and, you know, you get something out of it when you do so. So again, we'll, we'll shift to, to the, uh, to the Wednesday Q and A's. This is from two episodes. So there's going to be a break 
you know, in, in the middle of it um, that will signify when it's the second conversation. But uh, Web3 and really the attention wars. And I'll let the episode right out. I'll see all of you on the other side. But I love that. What, what, what a great idea or what a great, great question, you know, to ask. Um, OK, let's go to let's go to the next one. So what's your take on the whole Web3 thing? I can kind of guess your answer, but I'd be interested to hear what you have to say in any case. Yeah. All right. Uh, I also have another question about tactics and strategies. I'm going to save that. That actually, that question I could do a whole episode on and I might, um, you know, for patrons only. And if, you know, for a Wednesday Q and a, um, but yeah, let's, let's get to this web three one. So I actually pulled up a story from freecodecamp.org, which great, great resource, great website. Uh, I mean, great thing, just great thing happening. That's why I say resource. And let's talk about what web one and web two are quickly, you know, by these, let's define terms. It's easy to say, really, it's easy to say what web three is. Web three is just, in many ways, it's just everything of web one and web two put on blockchain. <laughs> like for most people, that's what web three means, but let, let's, let's read free code camps definition here. Okay, what is Web 1.0? Web 1.0 was the first iteration of the web. Most participants were consumers of content, and the creators were typically developers who build websites that contained information served up mainly in text or image format. Web 1.0 lasted approximately from 1991 to 2004. Now, I want to stop there for a second. Now, th this is funny because I've always, you know, I've never heard anybody say that, that that was like the exact time frame for Web 1.0. But that's what I've, I've always said. The modern internet didn't become a thing until 2003. You've heard me say that over and over again for many years. Um, this just proves me right. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's saying 2004, but like 2003 was when that's when web 2.0 came and essentially everybody came on board. Right. So anyway, I'll, I'll keep reading. I just love that this proves my point, even without me, you know, never thinking about, I, cause I don't think in terms of web 1.0 and web 2.0 and whatever else. Uh, but let's keep reading. Web 1.0 consisted of sites serving static content instead of dynamic HTML. Data and content were served from a static file system rather than a database. Man, the good old days. Uh, and sites didn't have much interactivity at all. Oh, you, know, you read about Web 1.0. You're like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. See, I, I'm not crazy. Anyway, you can think of Web 1.0 as the read-only web. I love it. I love web 1.0. This is great. Why aren't we doing that? Hold on. Let me get on the phone. Larry page. Hey, yeah, no, no, no. It's encrypted. I'm using your, I'm using your service. It's Google Fi. Yeah. Hey, can, can we go back to web 1.0? What do you mean? You don't know what web 1.0 is. You're supposed to be the smartest fucker. In... What? No, no, I'm not telling you how I got your number. Well, I got your number because it's not Web 1.0 anymore. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you too. All right, that was Larry. Sorry, Larry Page, uh, CEO of, uh, you know, a little something called Alphabet. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> I love Web, web 1.0. All right, so what is Web 2.0? Let's go to that. Again, these aren't my words. This is Free Code Camp's words. Most of us have primarily experienced the web in its current form. They're talking about Web 2.0. 
my point that I've been making for years exactly. Continuing on, commonly referred to as Web 2. You can think of Web 2 as the interactive and social web. In the Web 2 world, you don't have to be a developer to participate in the creation process. Many apps are built in a way that easily allows anyone to be a creator. You know, it's, it's just like music. You know, the great thing about music today is that anybody can make an album. The bad thing about music today is that anybody can make an album. <laughs> Uh, true for the web. If you want to craft a thought and share it with the world, you can. If you want to upload a video and allow millions of people to see it, interact with it, and comment on it, you can do that too. Oh, like TikTok? How's that working out? Web 2 is simple, really. Or Web 2 is simple, really, and because of its simplicity, more and more people around the world are becoming creators. The web in its current form is really great in many ways, but there are some areas where we can do a lot better. Hmm, I'd say there's a lot more than uh, some. But let's keep reading. Web 2.0 monetization and security. In the Web 2 world, many popular apps are following a common pattern in their life cycles. Think of some of the apps that you use on a daily basis and how the following examples might apply to them. Monetization of apps. Imagine the early days of popular applications like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or YouTube and how different they are today. The process usually goes something like this. One, company launches an app. Two, it onboards as many users as possible. Three, then it monetizes its user base. When a developer or company launches a popular app, the user experience is often very slick as the app continues rising in popularity. This is the reason they are able to gain traction quickly in the first place. At first, many software companies do not worry about monetization. They strictly focus on growth and unlocking in new users, but eventually they have to start turning a profit. They also need to consider the role of outside investors. See, all this crap I'm reading to you, you know the problems are coming. But, you know, again, was any of this under Web, web 1.0? No. You wonder why I miss it. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. Often the constraints of taking on things like venture capital negatively affect the life cycle and eventually the user experience of many applications that we use today. If a company building an application takes in venture capital, its investors often expect a return on investment in the order of magnitude of tens or hundreds of what they paid in. This means that instead of going for some sustainable model of growth that they can sustain in a somewhat organic manner, the company is often pushed towards two paths, advertisements or selling personal data. So I like what they're saying here, that there is an inherent flaw in web in the World Wide Web as it stands today. And they're not wrong. Let me keep reading. For many Web 2 companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others, more data leads to more personalized ads. This leads to more clicks and ultimately more ad revenue. The exploitation and centralization of user data is core to how the web, as we know and use it today, is engineered to function. Bingo. Security and privacy. Web 2 applications repeatedly experience data breaches. They are even, there are even websites dedicated to keeping up with these breaches and telling you when your data has been compromised. In Web 2, you don't have any control over your data or how it is stored. In fact, companies are often, or in fact, companies often track and save user data without their users' consent. All of this data is then owned and controlled by the companies in charge of these platforms. Users who live in countries where they have to worry about the negative consequences of free speech are also at risk. Governments will often shut down servers or seize bank accounts if they believe a person is voicing an opinion that goes against their propaganda. With, uh, boy, I mean, these people are doing a pretty good job writing this up. With centralized servers, it is easy for governments to intervene, control, or shut down applications as they see fit. Because banks are also digital and under centralized control, governments often intervene there as well. They can shut down access to bank accounts or limit access to funds during times of volatility, extreme inflation, or other political unrest. Web3 aims to solve many of these shortcomings by fundamentally rethinking how we architect and interact with applications from the ground 
up. So now they have their definition of Web3. I'll, I'll read it quick. I'm not going to read the entire thing they say about Web3 because it's very long. I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but I want to get into my nuance on the matter. Um, so what is Web3.0? There are a few fundamental differences between Web2 and Web3, but decentralization is at its core. Web3 enhances the internet as we know it today with a few other added characteristics. Web3 is verifiable, trustless, self-governing, permissionless, distributed and robust, stateful, native built-in payments. In Web3, developers don't usually build and deploy applications that run on a single server or that store their data in a single database. Um, instead, Web3 applications either run on blockchains, decentralized networks of many peer-to-peer -peer nodes, or you know, servers, or a combination of the two that forms a crypto economic protocol. These apps are often referred to as dApps, decentralized apps, or do people say dApps or dApps? Whatever. And you will see that term used often in the Web3 space. Like I, I never really talk to people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or at least not in, not in this space. I don't like, like I talk to them, I text with them, but I don't like talk, you know, to them. So I've never heard somebody say dApps or dApps. I would imagine people say dApps, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Just, I, I mean, cause it's just like, like now people say ETH, you know, they don't say Ethereum or they don't say ETH, they say ETH. But anyway, um, so to get to the listener's question about, you know, what, what's my whole take on it? And they said they can kind of guess my answer, but I'd be interested to hear, interested to hear what you have to say in any case. Um, so Web3, like, okay, like it wants to, it essentially wants to do Web 2.0 content, but in a way that is decentralized, encrypted, you know, secure, offers the user a lot more control. Um you know, it has like built in, uh, you know, like monetary incentives, you know, with cryptocurrency, maybe doing things like, like a DAO, you know, like a DAO, right. Whatever, you know, uh, decentralized, you know, autonomous organization and, and all this. Um, so in the abstract, it, it sounds, it sounds fine. Right. Um, you know, web, web 2.0 in the abstract sounds horrible. Web 1.0, in the abstract and largely in implementation it's fucking great. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was like, I was even thinking about this and this is this see web three. All right. Let, let, let's be clear here. Web three is nothing new. Web three has, has effectively been in development for, you know, a little under a decade, at least, uh, at least, you know, web three is just that is the peer to peer future, like in the abstract, that that's kind of the idea, but you know, there's the monetization aspect of it. Uh, I, I want to get into that. Okay. Uh, web 2.0 was the term that was around as well, but these are, these are buzzwords web 2.0. That's a buzzword web three. That's a buzzword. And in fact, it's a term that VCs essentially come up with. And because everybody licks their goddamn boots, they start using them because they're trying to catch the eyes of these VCs or think that somehow they're cool in front of people who aren't. And I mean the VCs. Uh, I mean, look, yeah. Okay. There are some cool VCs out there. I've hung out with them. I've met them, talked with them, become friends with some, you know, in the past. I mean, okay. Just, you know, but there's exceptions to the rule. Uh, web three is a lot easier to say than decentralized, whatever, you know, it's a lot easier to say than decentralized. And, you know, I think you could say that those terms are you know, like interoperable. All right. 
but I was going to say a minute ago, uh, you know, the other buzzword right now. So you have another buzzword, which is DeFi, right? Decentralized finance. That's part of Web3. Now it's GameFi, decentralized gaming and all this stuff. Like, okay. <laughs> here, here, Here's the thing. A lot of, other than the encryption and, and some of the, perhaps some of the anonymity, okay? A lot of what we're talking about in Web3 is because identity is a big part of Web3. So that's why I brought up the anonymity. Um, a, a lot of what was being done in Web3 was already done in Web 1.0. Like the peer-to-peer future existed with Usenet. It, you know, in many ways it existed with the BBS systems. You know, it, it, it's not, and like hashtag GameFi, you know, decentralized gaming. Um, okay, the monetary aspect wasn't there. But the idea of not relying, like, why do I get frustrated when a game gets shut down? When like the online or at least the online aspects of, a, of, of some kind of game get shut down, like it's happening. What is it for the PS Vita? Boy, I got to do an episode on the PS Vita. Mm. <laughs> Maybe the greatest console ever, but only after Sony got out of the way. Like it's great now because of custom firmware. It is not, it was not great while it, you know, normally ran. Uh, you know, or during its, 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 uh, its, its proper standard life cycle. It's great now after it's out of life cycle, but anyway, that that's a different conversation. But, but for example, okay, there's a, there's like three games, what is freedom wars, the two soul sacrifice games, Delta and the, and the, and the original, um, those are losing online functionality. You know, here, here's the thing when I was a kid and I'm 40, when I was a kid, you understand, I was already playing games online. You know, I was playing games online and it was done over, you know, <laughs> with a 14.4 K modem. Okay. And it didn't matter if a server got shut down because we were just connecting the two fucking computers like God intended. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just land, you know, like who, who, who gave a shit? Uh, well, in that case, it wasn't even a land. It was just, it was direct over, you know, over the phone line. Um, but a land would solve, solve the same issue, you know, like, this, this online server thing shouldn't even be an issue, you know, <laughs> but, but it is, you know, because you, you got to play people all around the world. Yeah. Oh man, that gets into a whole other thing too. Cause another part of web three is the metaverse, or at least, I mean, that's the other buzzword going around, right? Metaverse. And I don't want, I do not want to get into the big conversation. We could get into the big conversation about around metaverse here we really could but that that is another entire episode on itself and if you have specific questions about the metaverse and what i think about it don't hesitate to ask but let let's stick with like the the abstract of web3 here so th- the ridiculous part is that a lot of what we're talking about in web3 existed before you know it, it's just what happened is is that vcs investors idiots i repeat myself got involved in the web, you know, and, and especially post.com bubble, uh, even though that that's its own issue from the same asshats, um, got involved with the web and they went to monetize it. Okay. Now I like how free code camp is like trying to say, okay, well the security issue comes from the government. The monetization issue comes from, you know, whatever they're, I'm sure they would say the capitalist pigs or something. And I'm not going to go that far, but 
whatever, you know, the, like they're blaming, you know, the, the corporations, even the startups and, you know, like, like the startups that are, that are looking for that VC funding and ultimately the VCs and everything else. And, you know, those are fine fingers to point at or find, find people to point fingers at. But, you know, what, what brought us web 2.0 were those people. Okay. Were those VCs, were those people who were demanding, or at the very least, if they didn't bring it themselves, they were funding it and incentivizing the coders, you know, and, and the CEOs and whatever, you know, to go in this direction where money could be made at the detriment of users. And this gets at my issue with web three as it stands. Those same people who brought us web 2.0 are the same people who are saying web three, web three, hashtag web three and blah, blah. It's the same asshats. And so, you know, the, the incentives didn't somehow get better. Uh, in fact, I, fuck, I would argue they got significantly worse because what are you doing? I mean, not, now you're just like before, at least you were selling something for what could be considered what's real money. That's a whole other conversation, but you know, can you go at large swaths of the geography and use the greenback? Yes. Okay. So in that, by that definition, let's call it real money. But now the, I mean, these people are like printing up corporate script. Now they're not even trying to get like, I mean, at the end of the day, someone's going to sell out and then they're going to get real dollars, but it's going to be people well, well ahead of the curve that you're not going to know about, you know, as a user of a web three product, but like, it's not like web three is being entirely built around Bitcoin. If it were, I'd feel a little bit better about it. Okay. Because Bitcoin is the thing that did not come out of, you know, VC incentivization that just came out of, you know, that, that came out of the solder smoke, as I like to say. So th this whole idea of, of web three, you know, again, there's things in the abstract that are right that, that I think are good about it, but they're like, like every app's making its own fucking cryptocurrency. And I'm not against there being a bunch of, of currencies, but at the same time, like the product isn't at the level where it's worth any money, but then you're basically speculating on the tokens based around the product early on. If it were different where, okay, we'll, we'll bring the product completely out of beta and, you know, we'll have like that user base for it before we bring in like, you know, say a, a token that helps, you know, build up the product th that'd be a little bit different. Now you're saying, but doesn't that sound like the, the you know, the development cycle for web 2.0? Well, yes, it, it sounds very similar, but look, this is the same direction that Linux and GIMP and, and so many other open source projects went. They never went for the money. It was just like, it was a hobby, you know, and, or it would, or they, they made money, you know, like the canonical way. And I mean, by like the company canonical where they made money by charging for tech support. So by bringing in this like crypto economic model into every single fucking app or website or whatever that we use, uh, I mean, you're just over, you're overcomplicating this, you know, you're overthinking it. Uh, you're, you're going to require like far more computational horsepower than is necessary to just, I don't know, even if you want to do something web 2.0, like just some banking online. 
Like, this is not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Complexity is the enemy's security. And I get it that they're trying to bake in security from the get go. But the other issue here, like this is, and, and, and I admit it's a bit of a catch 22, but you are like, in, in one sense, you're incentivizing use of a web three product or service because you've built the money into it. But then at the same time, you're actually incentivizing attacks against it because there's money to be made in attacking the product. Like you're making, I'm trying to think of an analogy here, but you're essentially, you're making targets, not services. Far too rich at targets and people will figure it out. You know, one way or the other, they'll cheat the system in some way, right? You know, talk about the DAO hashtag. Remember that a few years ago, $150 million, literally financial history getting erased overnight. Remember that? You're just creating so many more problems by baking cryptocurrency into every fucking thing. And, and again, you know, like this is, and, and I get why they're doing that because the VCs need to make money off of this shit. And so you just print your own and, and, you know, again, there's, there's a whole other economic argument around that, around what's, what's the value of that, you know, of printing your own money of doing company script essentially. But, and, and I know it's more than that, right? Because like it, it helps with securing the network. But again, at the same time, like, like you've created this great security model that like at the same time weakens you. It's, it's like kryptonite. Here's the analogy. It's like kryptonite to Superman. Okay. Like in one sense, it gives Superman what he's always wanted. He just wanted to be a normal person and kryptonite weakens him to the point that he's like a normal person. Okay. But then at the same time, it's also killing his, all of his strength. <laughs> so web three is essentially kryptonite and it's not like red kryptonite, which is cool. <laughs> web 1.0 is red kryptonite. That's the good stuff. That's what makes Superman evil. Fuck right. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> You see, your villain is here, baby. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, in the abstract, there's a lot of good things, you know, in, in the concept of Web3. But the people funding it are the same assholes that brought us Web2.0, which is a problem, you know, which I think this article actually did a pretty good job of laying out. Um, I don't think that it's going to do anything, you know, about governments, because, I mean, just, just look at what happens when governments have just uncertainty on how they want to regulate things you know, around crypto right now, like the cryptocurrencies just, I mean, it's, you, you can't call it like a, a roller coaster. Roller coaster doesn't begin to describe it. You know, it, it's like the most powerful G force simulator ever devised by NASA is what it is. So yeah. Um, you know, again, look, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist or I'm, I'm not, I'm close, but I'm, I'm not exactly there. I'm fine with having like test products like Litecoin you know, or things like, you know, Zcash and some other stuff. But the, the, the direction that web three is going, Oh man. I mean, there, there's not going to be a lot of winners out of this. It, if, it, if at all, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, I need to do X on a computer to make money. I do worry when I need to do X on a computer because like, there's money tied in with X, but it's not because it's what you want to do. 
you know, or because it's bringing something beautiful into the universe. It's just because, you know, like somehow there's something that somebody says has value, you know, in it. I mean, cause like we're, you know, with web three, they're talking about, okay, we're going to bring social media to web three. No, no, no. Social media shouldn't be in the conversation about the future. Like when we talk about the future, social media should not be a part of that flat out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. They should be a bad memory. 50 years. Hell, well, tomorrow I wish, but you know, at least 50 to hundred years from now should be a bad memory. It should be the lead pipes of Rome. We're like, Ooh, yeah. Wow. It's amazing how we were able to, uh, you know, flush our toilets, but, or, you know, and drink water on the regular, but fucking turned us all mad. So, you know, again, what they want to bring into web three, I don't agree with, uh, the people championing web three, I don't agree with, but the thing, I mean, the technologies we need to be working on, you know, again, yeah. Encrypting everything is great. Anonymizing things, you know, that that's great, but you can't have a built in financial incentive with that, with those technologies and with those software developments, you can't, it kills it. It ruins it. Why? Because the reason you need those things, the reason people need to realize that they need those. I mean, we just in a perfect world or in best case scenario, everyone just wants that because they know if they don't have it, at the rate that things are going at what, you know, whatever organization, you know, whatever company, whatever government wants to come after them, that if they don't, their livelihood is at stake. That's why they need these things, not to make a buck. I mean, yes, it's so that they can exist to be able to make money in some way, but not so that you, you don't, it just, it feels like people are living for the software instead of people living, you know, for themselves and using tools you know, that, that, that work for them instead. They're like, I mean, do, do you see the people like on, on Twitter who, you know, yeah, sh SHIB army. What, what the f you can't, you can't even mind SHIB. <laughs> like, well, not, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm baffled. I'm just fucking baffled. People have got it all wrong. I know people want to get rich. Hey, I hear you. But I mean, that gets into a whole other abstract problem, because what do people want? You know, like it's fine to 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 want to make a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with that. OK, but the in the abstract. But then where the, the, the quote unquote wrong can come in is why do you want to make a lot of money? Is it because you just want to like party on yachts and all this stuff and, and you know, engage in some kind of lifestyle obsession that has nothing to do with your intrinsic motivations? Or is it because you, you just don't want to worry anymore? You just want to be able to relax and, and do the shit you want to do. Those are two incredibly different things. And my biggest concern is that most people want to do the former and not the intrinsic ladder. And all the money in the world doesn't mean shit when you want to do the former. We've got very screwed incentives, and I don't think Web3 is helping with those incentives overall. You know, maybe at the end of the day, it could help with the encryption and anonymization. And hey, OK, you know, I've talked about that identity mixer, all kinds of different ideas that have been around for a very long time um, before Web3 was a gleam in anybody's eye. Great. But then at the same time, like you still have, you know, the wrong incentives are still there. The wrong people are still there. So those are my thoughts on Web3. Not it doesn't excite me. 
you know, if somebody said it, like I'd ask them, okay, what is web three to you? And, you know, maybe they'd have a definition that I'd find like, yeah, okay, I'm with you on that. Uh, but like web three in the abstract notion, um, no, <laughs> and a free code camp or whoever, you know, they think, oh yeah, web three, this is going to be the future that we, that we want. Uh, you know, the people who are involved and you know that they're going to pervert it. They're going to twist it into something disgusting, something deplorable, something <laughs> to quote Ayn Rand, something anti-life, anti, -life, anti <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't believe I quoted Ayn Rand. All right. So, <laughs> I think that means it's time to stop. So there we go. Uh, if you have questions on anything that I just said, or if suddenly I just lost patrons because of this, <laughs> please, I've always asked this, like, communicate with me. Tell, give me the score. We've got the Discord channel now. That's only for you, or the Discord server, and you can communicate with me. All right. And if you're a patron, I am going to be nice. <laughs> so I might not be nice to the rest of the world, but I am going to be nice to the patrons. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Anyway, that is it for your Wednesday Q&A, the first of the new breed in the batch or in the can or whatever. I, and I, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be doing this again. I hope you enjoy it. Please feel free to, you know, leave a like, uh, you know, on Patreon uh, for this. If you, you know, just want a simple way to let me know, uh, or I do share this in the general channel uh, or I share every episode on the general channel. Um, on the on the, the the discord server feel free to just leave an emoji there if you want or leave me some feedback there you know it's a, you can start a thread in, in discord imagine that um so i will leave all of this with that and i will see all of you whoo on the other side you know what are, what are those the, the wicked pickles fuck i love those but i'm jewish and you know how much we love a good kosher dill so i'm i'm going with dill <laughs> Anyway, uh, that, that question of course from, is from sec who I have another question from him and I think I'll get into that. And then if we have time, we will get into the question, um, around, uh, stewardship and property. So, because I, I actually, I got a lot of questions about that, but, uh, I, I, I kind of condense them and, and maybe we can get into that quick, but let, let me get to sex question before he kills me. Um, here we go. What are some tactics, strategies, or tech tools that you would find useful? to insulate yourself from the coming technocratic dystopia. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to get to that about stewardship. Okay. <laughs> when you ask a, que a broad question like that. Um, well here. So again, that is a very broad question and we could go down like a, a laundry list, um, you know, uh, of, of things. Um, I mean, I can make a, you know, a quick bulleted point list of what to do, you know, and it starts off very simply. Okay. If you still, you know, I mean, the best thing to do is obviously to just run off and make your own little community where you grow your own food and the whole business. Okay. That's the best thing in the world to do, you know, to get out of the technocratic dystopia. Um, because in many ways it's already here. The other thing you can do is try, try, try to limit the, the data that exists about you and that you put out there. That includes do not be on social media delete, try and find all of the accounts. And there are some services I can't think of them off the top. I think it's like delete.me might be one of them. Um, there are services out there that will, you know, help you find and go through the process of deleting accounts for, you know, websites or whatever that you just, you don't need. Okay. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons that I I've always been really reticent to set up like my own, 
I mean, I've done it here and there and experimented with it. But one of the reasons I've been reticent for on my own website to set up like my own message board and like my own independent payment system and all this other stuff, while in one sense, that can be a very empowering thing on the other you know, I don't want to be responsible for that data. I sure as fuck don't want to mess around with other people's money. And I mean, you know, you can, I have a Bitcoin wallet address, obviously in the show notes for every episode. Um, but you know, I like that there are systems like Patreon where you don't just have, you, you don't just support me. You can support a bunch of people. I support people on Patreon. Um, and so it's an account that you already have that you use for multiple reasons, which I think is fine and dandy and wonderful. Okay. And I, I, and same with like using discord or IRC, which I had in the past is it's a service you're already using for something else. So essentially interacting with me financially, you know, verbally, whatever does not require you to open another account that, that I see is a good thing. Okay. Because, you know, again, there is, you know, flawed, <laughs> this is flawed thinking. And you can tell it's, it's just one of those moments where, you know, Hollywood is full of shit. Like there, there's this idea of having like what they call uh, total battlefield awareness. This is fucking crap. <laughs> okay. And because the idea that having total battlefield awareness is how you win a war. No, 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 no. Having more information. Having the most information is not what wins a war. Giving off the least amount of information is what wins the war. And there is a difference. You might think that that's saying the same thing. It's not. Actively giving off the least amount of information about yourself is the single most important thing you can do today in the technocratic, in the technocratic dystopia that is coming. And really, that's already here. We're already in dystopia, as I've said many times. Okay. So how do you win? You limit the amount of information available about you out there. So yeah, one of the easy things that you can do is you go through and you delete all the accounts that you do not need. Um, the accounts that you do need, if you can help it anonymize those. Okay. In fact, if you know, if you can like anonymize them now, I mean, I've even in recent years, like I've had a Microsoft account forever. Um, you know, that, that has tons of history on me. I don't use that Microsoft account anymore. That's gone. I'm not saying I don't have a Microsoft account now, but that's something that's been, you know, far more anonymized. Um, so as much as you can help it have as few accounts as possible, use as little software as possible, because remember, essentially every piece of software you install is not software. It is an attack vector. Every single app you install is not an app. It is an attack vector. It is something that is giving off data about you. And you have to think about the relationship with technology in that way. That these things are not useful Okay. They might be a, what you could call, if you want, I hate this term, but if you want to call it a necessary evil, but keep in mind, they are evil. So there's that, um, you know, have as install as little software as possible, delete a bunch of accounts, have as a little, you know, it's account minimalism, minimalism, and app minimalism. Incredibly key. The less information you give off, the more you're winning, uh, and the more you're, you're surviving and thriving in, in technocracy. So, um, now I guess we'll, we'll stick on that theme. Um, I think a great thing to do is, and this is something I did recently as well, uh, buy old hardware, buy old computer hardware. Computers in and of themselves are not, are not bad. 
Okay. Computers are wonderful things, but computers are meant to serve us, not the other way around. And I don't mean serve like a slave. I mean, it's just when we press X, X should come out. That's all. They're not a living thing. As much as Silicon Valley might be shooting for that. Um, so I would buy old computer hardware and stock up on parts, you know, replacement parts for these things. And right now, a lot of that shit's cheap <laughs> you know, because people are, are trying to get it out there. And I mean, it's funny, like this is a lesson, you know, this isn't new. I'm not saying anything new here in this, um, not for, not for sovereign tech, but for the world. Oh, the world's learning this lesson hard. Oh, suddenly everybody's buying, you know, five to 10 year old laptops. Why? Because they're what's available and they need new laptops. Or people are spent having, you know, uh, insane repair bills. I mean, computer repair shops got to be got to be living it up right now because of the chip shortage. You can't even get new computers. Fuck. You can't even get a Raspberry Pi for for 50 bucks anymore. You get lucky if you get it for 200, 400, probably even. So stocking up on parts and on old hardware, old computers is a great and wonderful thing. Um, I'll also suggest again, we're, we're just bullet pointing this. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. So with the computer hardware, let me, let me finish up on that. Um, yeah, get, get used to <laughs> older operating systems or non-traditional operating systems. I'm not even saying you have to use Linux. Like if you want to go so far back or, you know, if you want to use FreeDOS, if you want to actually use some version of Unix, if you want to actually use like, fuck, you want to go back and, and get a power PC and, and throw BOS on that shit, even though now like Haiku is, is an operating system that might actually get a, you know, get a gold release here soon or uh, was, what is it? Beta three this year now in 2021 phenomenal loved BOS. Anyway, uh, you know, learn about these like rarer operating systems. Okay. That, that the legacy system as in, you know, the system of authority <laughs> doesn't know what to do with. All right. Or doesn't pay attention to, um, so, you know, get, get caught up on that and you already have the older hardware. So, I mean, they're just made for each other. Um, so, so there's that, I mean, we could get into apps and stuff to use, but I don't think we need to like lay, lay that out here. Uh, I would also, you know, in, as far as like connecting and communicating between computers, um, you know, I, I really despise, um, like it's, it's actually for me, it's almost an unnatural, a very unnatural hatred, uh, because I say unnatural because I usually don't hate something this much, but it's one of the rare things out there that I do not game of Thrones, though it's close. Uh, and that's the new Battlestar Galactica, uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, the 70, you know, 78, 79 Galactica <laughs> greatest shows ever made. One of the greatest shows ever made. I mean, just fucking brilliant. Um, but new BSG by Ron Moore, uh, y you know, I, I mean, it, it's just, people talk about it and, and the fury that I feel inside, you know, <laughs> I know it's something I have to work on. I have to somehow make peace with this, you know, atrocity, but someday maybe, um, anyway, one of the things I thought that it did right was when you watch the original miniseries for, what was that from 2005 of Battlestar Galactica, there's the big deal that they learned from, you know, the Cylon war that, okay, we don't network computers anymore and we do everything hardline. We do everything like by, by voice command, you know, we call each other on the phone or whatever, you know, to, to execute commands and, and blah, blah, blah. 
yeah, let's get back to that. <laughs> like, do not interlink um, these computers. Now, I mean, there's there's ways coming coming in the future that already exist, just aren't at the consumer level yet. Uh, you know, where like where you can actually have a literal like quantum connection between two computers, but it's an incredibly short wire. So it's not something you can do over long distance. Okay. Um, you know, something like that, again, quantum networks, that's, that's a whole other conversation, but that that's in the future right now, right now. Okay. You're going to do shit, you know, via, you're, you're going to strip the fucking microphones out of those computers, obviously. Um, and you know, you're going to be transferring stuff via USB or fuck if you want to be saucy. I mean, what are you going to be transferring anyway, right? You know, if you're just transferring little files here and there, uh, I don't know, zip disks are still a thing. <laughs> no, you could use flash drives. But that's the thing, is that get away from, from networking in general. But that doesn't mean you have to get away from computers. They can still be very useful and helpful and wonderful things, all right? It's just stock up on them uh, and go with, with older hardware. So... You know, and then go back to SneakerNet uh, or Data Mules, like I was talking about when I was on the Vanu podcast uh, the other day. So there, there's that. Um, another thing, and this is really important, okay? Um, and, and and there's there's this is a double edged. Well, I don't want to say it's a double edged sword. This is going to sound counterintuitive, but real there neither is the wrong answer. Let me just let me just explain. Um, you know, cancel culture, right? This is a thing. It's already gone too far and people admit that, you know, even if they had the best intentions, perhaps at first to like, all right, get this asshole out of here. He's a rapist, you know, like talking about Harvey Weinstein or whatever. Um, so essentially the book burners are coming. And actually it's funny when you read like the last edition that Ray Bradbury did, um, of Fahrenheit 451, and he, you know, put in the, you know, he did like a coda at, at the end of it, um, you know, like an afterward where he was writing as himself, not adding on to the story of Fahrenheit 451. But he very clearly says that he didn't realize that it was already happening and they didn't even need to burn the books. What was happening was the publishers themselves, even just for the reason of fitting in as much Dostoevsky as they could inside of 400 pages. We're ripping out entire paragraphs or entire chapters from books of the past. Now, this has a modern correlation also with ebooks and audiobooks, where there are audiobooks uh, or, or like ebooks are so easy to change, to update, that you're getting like different versions of ebooks, sometimes even years later, that change what the author said previously. Um, for whatever reason that might be vanity or trying to say that they were ahead of the curve or I don't know what it is. Audiobooks can go through the same process. Um, now you might say that the answer is, well, keep paper copies of books and you're not wrong. That's what I mean. There's not a wrong answer to this, but also <laughs> digitizing things is just as important because one way to keep from being Un, you know, for, for, or one, one way to, to not be conquered is to have the capability to always be in motion, to be nomadic. And look, you just can't have a traveling library. Not, not with books, right? Not with that many books. Um, 
I mean, it's insane. You know, if you ever go to Europe and like you see some of the classical libraries that are there, you know, that have been there for hundreds of years. Um, and you look around and, and it's amazing. Like they're the most beautiful buildings and everything. Right. The crazy thing is my Kindle holds more books than, than that, than, than what is in that entire library. And I think the concern about, you know, uh, uh, like people constantly changing, you know, and updating books or deleting books or, you know, whatever, like those are valid concerns and paper is one answer to that, but I don't think it's the only one you can do things concurrently, right. In parallel, you can keep, you can have a nice paper collection, but holy shit, you better have a, you better have a gigantic library of digital, you know, of, of eBooks and, or even, you know, uh, MP3s of audiobooks or whatever we're talking about movies. I don't care. Okay. It's good to have physical, but you got to have that digital non DRM, right? No DRM digital files that you control on devices that, you know, and, and those devices where those copies exist should be something that is off network because we already know that Amazon can not just change books on a Kindle, they can delete books on a Kindle. We talked about this. This is years ago. Remember when they did that too? of all things, animal farm. Yeah. From Orwell. 1984. But that's not, that is not a, a critique. Okay. That is not a banishment against eBooks. That is just saying, no, you need to have control of your eBooks. There's no person on the planet more powerful than someone with a Kindle or, or not, well, maybe not a Kindle, but, a, you know, some kind of electronic device that has fucking amazing battery life and could hopefully plug into a solar panel somewhere. But regardless, someone that has a little electronic device in their fucking pocket that has hundreds of thousands of books on them, if not millions, that is the most powerful person on the planet. That is the most dangerous person on the planet. Do not let your concern around what Amazon can do to eBooks keep you from having eBooks. You can have them on your own independently, no DRM with Amazon not being in control. And if you do, you are a dangerous man. And the world needs dangerous men and women and Zs. And while Bradbury was in his genius, was completely right that you don't even need to burn the books to keep people from reading them or, you know, reading everything that's within them. The book burners, I think, are still coming. And we have to take control, you know, like of our media in whatever way they can. And I don't think physical books are going to be spared the fire. Uh, so digitize at least once and then copy it everywhere. Fucking everything. Everything, even if you hate it. Even if it's something you so desperately disagree with, I don't care. You, fucking get great digital copies of the, you know, an original, I don't know, 1881 version of, of the book of Mormon. Digitize it all. It's important even for the things we don't like to keep them. Why? Because they can stand there as warning for when idiocy comes again. And yes, I'm looking at you book of Mormon. So we can do both. Um, I get, I get very troubled when I hear people saying, oh, this is why we need paper books and don't trust eBooks. No, you can trust eBooks. Fine. You just have to do them right. Yeah. Don't trust Amazon. I'm with you. 
We need both. Now, um, you know, that whole thing about, you know, being nomadic and all this. Well, let me get to the, let me get to the last point. Uh, you know, I mean, getting into cryptocurrency is great because it's, it's permissionless money and you know, that that's awesome. Um, and again, I don't think cryptocurrencies are ever like somehow that one day all cryptocurrencies are just going to go to zero. No, like, I I just don't see that as, as even possible for reasons we even talked about earlier. Okay. Um, but as much as possible, do what you can so that what you do in life, you know, your passions, your hobbies, what it takes to exist and so on doesn't cost money. And they might have a high upfront cost, but wean yourself off of the need for money. And, you know, that's something that in 2022, um, I'm going to be experimenting with a lot more. Um, I've revealed it on other episodes where, you know, mine and, and Ellen's plan is we're going to be van lifing in 2022. Um, and part of that is for a lot of reconnection, not with, you know, between each other, we connect between each other fine, but reconnection with, you know, even like with ourselves, with the planet, with life, you know, with thoughts, with, with you know, everything that makes, that makes things wonderful. Um, and a big part of that is getting away from the stress of, Ooh, do I have enough money? Do I have this? That kills creativity like nothing else. You know, when you, when you don't even have the, the ban- the mental bandwidth for strategic thinking, long-term thinking, or when, you know, you're so worn out that for fuck's sake, you even watch videos in the shower to relax. Ho, ho, baby. <laughs> Is it time to change how you're living? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, finding a way to, to wean yourself off of, you know, money in general is, is a, is a very good thing. Um, I mean, we could get into, you know, but I know Sack already knows the stuff about storing food and all that jazz, but I mean, you know, those are important things as well, but I, I like, hopefully I, I gave you something. And in fact, you know, earlier I mentioned the notebook, not the movie. Oh, fuck that movie. Earlier I mentioned the notebook. One of the biggest dangers in, you know, the technocratic dystopia isn't not having enough money, isn't, you know, not, um, uh, say not having access to whatever form of art isn't, you know, whatever, not being able to communicate in person or via social media or anything along those lines. One of my, if not, and I, and I mean this, maybe the biggest concern I have about the technocratic dystopia is, and this speaks to the shower thing too, is, you know, you're just constantly bombarded. Like I used to call it on Sovereign Tech, I used to call it the attention wars. I mean, all of these companies and governments, everybody and and every fucking celebrity wannabe asshat on Twitter is just vying and buying. I mean, they're just dying for your attention. And there's so many and there's so many things, so many people, so many organizations, so many things that are vying for your attention. You don't get the chance to think. Because everything's just trying to grab your attention. I mean, it used to just be billboards, but for fuck's sake, now it's, it's God, it's everywhere. There's some kind of fucking advertisement. Shit, I can't even get away from it at the gym locker room at Planet Fitness. There's a fucking TV in there. Trying to go to the bathroom and you're hearing some bullshit about, fuck off. 
So, you know, centering yourself on either devices or, you know, something as simple as a good old fashioned notebook or whatever, and, and getting your eyes away from anything that could potentially steal your attention. Holy shit. Do it. You know, get used to journaling and journaling in an actual goddamn journal, you know, like, like in, in a, in a physical, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, obviously, you know, I sound a very pro ebook. I'm not against physical books. Actually, I'm arguing for it right here, but a beautiful thing is, is that you can easily make your own here. Okay. Don't even do it on the computer. Don't just don't, I, I might've been recommending that a second ago. No, don't, don't do it. Do it in a goddamn notebook, pen to paper, hand on the paper, smell the paper, feel the paper. Look at the words that you wrote down as you watch your hand, let your hand be part of the imprint of what you're writing into your head and let that keep your attention. Don't let anything distract you. If you have to say to the person or whoever's around you, Hey, look, I just need, I need some alone time, you know, just me in a notebook. And if that person can't respect that, that person needs to walk out the door and never come back. I want you to get your attention back because without it, you're just, you're going to get tricked into doing this, 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 got to get back our long-term thinking, strategic thinking. Okay. We got to get back in our own heads a little more, maybe a lot more. And believe they, they don't want like the system, the technocratic, you know, uh, dystopia. They don't want that. They want you typing it out. They want you saying it so they can hear it. They're terrified, absolutely fucking terrified that you're going to have some little notebook that you write in cursive in maybe. And holy shit, you know, you're off in some corner, no cameras. You're keeping it to yourself and they don't know. Oh, I mean, just the thorn in Zuckerberg's side at the idea of somebody writing something down on a piece of paper. That's got to terrify you. Why? Because he doesn't know what you're doing. He doesn't know what you're thinking. You know, I just said earlier that the dangerous person is someone who has, you know, this massive library that makes a library of Alexandria, you know, look, look, look like, uh, you know, the children's section at Barnes and Noble. No disrespect to the library of Alexandria, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to read everything there too. Looking at you, Barosis. But I said that earlier, you know, that that's a dangerous person. The other, the, the doubly dangerous person is the person who has that library. And at the same time, maybe has just has that little Moleskine notebook that has words in it. Powerful thoughts, your thoughts that you came up with by yourself or were inspired by beautiful things. And that no one in Silicon Valley or Washington, D.C. knows what's in there. That's power. That's dangerous. That's what we need. When we're surrounded by a technocratic dystopia. Now I did have those questions. I'll wrap it up there. I did have those questions about self self stewardship and stewardship in general and property. Well, at the risk of, uh, <laughs> being called crazy, if you don't already think I am after all this, um, we will save that for another episode. Maybe I'll make it like a, a Patreon special of some kind, uh, instead, because, you know, 
you're a patron. Yeah, you're going to get Q&As, live Q&As. You get the Discord server and all that jazz. Um, but I'd love for you to have more. And maybe I'll, I'll make that part of the more, um, you know, something exclusive uh, that, that, that you get. Or we'll just get to it next Wednesday. We'll see. Depends on the, I mean, I have, I have a lot of questions, but again, please don't stop sending them. I think like having conversations around the late, uh, you know, on what's the latest with messaging apps and other things. That's really important to always revisit because that can change, you know, at the drop of a hat, um, having conversation, you know, all these conversations, you can go over them again and again and again, because the world changes by the nano today. So it's important. Okay. It's okay to revisit. It's okay to ask me again, you know, what VPN do you recommend this week? I mean, it can come down to that. So anyway, we'll wrap this one up. Um, but please keep the questions coming. Even though I do have more to get to, please keep them coming. If anything, you know, we'll, if we got to get through the tank a little faster, um, I'll either speed it up on, on a Wednesday Q and a, or I'll just do bonus ones from here, you know, here and there, or I'll save them for the live Q and A's maybe when the, the room's quiet or something, who knows? Uh, anyway, so don't hesitate to ask. Um, and well, we'll wrap this one up <laughs> more to come. I will see all of you. Woo. I know I'm crazy on the other side.